The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Phonegate has descended upon Mullins World, and it's even it's made even worse by the fact that his son wanted an apple. <gasps> no. Did he get an iPhone? No. Oh. <laughs> 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 Oh, dude, he's just made Head Boy. He's um, uh, for, so good for Alps. He's made Head Boy. He's, he's excelled in every way. All he says is, Dad, can I have an iPhone? Yeah, but that's not how it went. Oh. So yeah, it, it was a much more convoluted story than that. So he said, I said to him, Albie, put your name down for Head Boy and for Forest School Leader. And he said... For what? Oh, Forest School Leader? Forest School, yeah. What's that? They have Forest school, they've got this plot of land where they have, um, they grow things and they, you know, they farm and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, that sounds good. And, they right. have, and okay. it's called forest school. Yeah, so that sounds good. Yep. They have uh, a forest school leader and yeah. they have tapped in and they have all of that kind of, so it's this week where they picked all those things. So he, I said to him, I'll be, you know, if you're, if you're brave and you go for a couple of things, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll buy you something. And he really had his eye on my microphone, my, uh, SM sure sm usb thing would you make 200 pounds i'll buy you something yeah so i said he said oh do you think i could have that one of those microphones yeah yeah and, and he caveated that with uh not your one though i don't want you to just get me an empty box and put your one in it <laughs> yeah he knows about Boxgate. and so i said yeah okay listen yeah that's the deal okay i promise you so so he running yesterday really excited come home from school i got head boy i got head boy and i was like oh, bless him so i ordered him one of those um from uh from the internet a brand new one yeah two, two seconds after i ordered it he ran me up he said i changed my mind i want a phone so i cancelled that order and then we went through the whole phone conversation uh i can get an uh, you can get me an, an iphone 8 for 200 pounds yeah and like uh I'm, oh, i don't think so i'll he said yeah, yeah 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 you can look i can see i'll show it you when you get home so get home <laughs> and of course it's 200 pounds plus 45 pound a month or whatever the contract is so that was the end of the apple iphone for albie so that was the end of that Aww. yeah so, so i've got an android <laughs> you got i'm an android now. the fuji cast we bought you a can son with a 500 foot string attached to it and if you want to phone your mates that they have to be within 500 feet of you shout yeah. loudly uh, yeah. but that's fantastic though he made head boy he must be yeah great. i'm really proud of him really proud who got forest leader do you know i don't know who got forest school leader don't know oh head boy's got a trump forest school leader surely i, I know one of his best friends chick or um charlotte got um school team uh, sports captain which is nice also oh yeah. okay well um, well done, Alps. Welcome to the uh, Fujicast. As always, you and your questions from the mailbag. You can send them in by Facebook. Kev reads the Facebook questions. Or you can send them in to the email address, click at fujicast.co.uk, and uh, I get to those. We've also got some uh, patron messages this week, haven't we, Kev? Yeah, we've got some bump to the front. Some bump to the front. Yeah. Um, and, um, and a book of the week. Oh, guest of the week. Well... Guest and book. Let's deal with guest first. Is uh, well, the guest is Anna McCarthy, and um, I always want to do a jingle when I say Anna's name. You know, like Linda McCartney. Do you remember? Do you remember that advertising campaign for Linda McCartney's foods? Yeah. Anna yeah, McCarthy yeah, yeah. fits in that perfectly. Anna McCarthy. She Anna should have a Anna McCarthy photography. <laughs> well, I was thinking more about the vegetarian line of foods, but um, so yeah, Anna. But the reason we're talking to Anna is because, or you're talking to Anna, is because um, she shot to your wedding. And I was a bit unsure about it to start with, Kev, because I, I wasn't sure whether it might end up being a, well, what does it feel like to a photograph international superstar man of the stage, Kevin Mullins' wedding? But it's not like that at all, having heard it. No, of course. <laughs> and I never wanted it. I wanted it to be a conversation between the two of us about what it's like to photograph somebody else's wedding. Yeah. That yeah. conversation. What not about me. 
Ah, and it cool. and it worked well, I think. And she she clearly had a good time doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. So that that's coming up. And oh, book of the week. I mean, this you. Um, if you were playing your ace cards now, Kev, you've played them. You've played them all with this book. Yeah, we've got Genesis, uh, Sebastio Salgado's Genesis, uh, and I, I, it's been on my shelf for. Well, I, I, this is the first edition, I think. Um, wow. So I've had it for a long time. I got it at the exhibition. I went to London with Peter Pryor. Do you remember Peter Pryor? I do. Peter yeah. Pryor picked a pack of pickled peppers. Peter Pryor, photographer. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, of course I do. I went yeah. there with him, and uh, oh. and I picked it up then when it was it was first released. Or this this kind of uh, format of it. It's massive, absolutely massive hardback, huge thing, and it's been on my shelf for ages. And and I thought we haven't talked about this book yet. No. So here we are. Wasn't there a really, really huge, humongous, mm. big version as well? Yeah, it was in a glass table. That's it right. It came in a glass table, yeah, and it was about seven and a half grand. And I don't think you were allowed to touch it unless you had white gloves on. You, you Didn't you get to touch it? Uh, I saw it. I'm not sure I actually touched it. I thought you got I saw oh, it, yeah. You were allowed to sort of, don't um, touch the book. That's definitely not the one that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> was it seven and a half thousand pounds? Cool. Oh, so, yeah, I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it was, wow. it was several thousand, yeah. If yeah. you're a real collector worth, uh, and you and you have that dosh, Worth and ev- that space and that space. Yes, you'd need a. Actually, it wouldn't yeah. fit on any any. Um, well, you'd need its own glass cabinet. Does it come with a glass cabinet? Yeah, it came in. It's, it came with its own table. Oh, it does was, it? it was incredible <laughs> in this glass glass unit. Yeah, amazing thing. So it comes with the table. Oh. Yeah, a lockable glass cover that you you kind of open like a cupboard, and then uh, and then you can you can put your gloves on and have a have a wangle through it. You'd want it to be locked, wouldn't you? Because can you imagine? You know, you've 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 left it open, and all all uh, your kids' mates have come round. Mm. They've been eating ice creams and marmite sandwiches, and they're they're pouring through this book, saying, "Look at this!" All the all the pages stuck together. Mm. Yeah, all the dogs. Oh. Yeah. Oh God, can you imagine Monty? Monty <gasps> gets hold of it, and Monty would take one sniff of it and think, "Oh, I must urinate on that." <laughs> Smells interesting. <laughs> It's I'll sniff a thing, I'll piss on it. I'll sniff a thing, I'll piss on it. That's his life. Oh, he's... <laughs> I don't know where it all comes from. Oh, poor old doesn't Git. drink any water. I, I definitely think Git would look at it and think, oh, that looks expensive. I'll have a go at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sniff it first. How many of your books has Monty eaten? Uh, two. He's had a go at two of them. But only when he was a puppy. He's, he, he doesn't oh. do it now. We are so, thinking about getting a dog, by the way. Oh, how are you? Yeah. What type? Well, I th- I think it's a cockapoo. Ah, uh, my sister's got a cockapoo. It needs to be not too large, but not too small. And it needs to be hypoallergenic, aller- easy for me to say, so that Jack can deal with it. Otherwise, it's going to spend the next, well, however long, you know, he stays until he goes off to uni or gets a job or whatever, with red eyes. So it had had to be something that wouldn't make his eyes... My sister's implant. one is reasonably big, I would say. Oh. It's bit bigger than my bigger than my whippet. Really? Stuff. That, yeah. can't, it, that, that can't be a cockapoo then, can it? Or do they, they must yeah, be it is. different yeah, flavours? Cockapoo is one of those ones they made in a lab, isn't it? It's not a real dog. It's like they made it up. It's for, well, yeah, it's a crossbreed, isn't it? A, a crossbreed? Yeah. Is that what they... It was, a pedi- it, des- a, a it was designed for the, uh, the, the, the tractor drivers of West London, wasn't it, cockapoos? Were they? It's a design dog, yeah. I know. Well, I know it's a, a, one of those... Yeah, I know it is, but um, they're blooming expensive, Kev. Mm, yeah, well, that's because they also go to tractor drivers in West London. <laughs> yeah, but I thought... As My a, sister's one was... I mean, she bought it in the height of lockdown, you know. Oh, so yeah, well, more expensive, expensive then. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 
couple of thousand, I think, for one of them. It'd yeah. be cheaper to get a horse. Yeah, uh, no, it's not. Actually. <laughs> well, that's true. Right, questions. Let's. Um, do you want to start with the bump to the front one then? Have we- yeah. Okay. So, um, Patreon. We'll, we, we've got a couple of new patrons that I'll give a shout out to as well. So, thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Tom Shaw, John Taylor, Steve Pereira, Martin Pendry, and Chris Gale. Boom, boom, boom. And one of your benefits being a patron, in fact, your only benefit of being a patron <laughs> at the moment, um, is uh, is that you get bumped to the front with your questions. You do. Yeah. yeah. And this one came in, I don't know, about an hour ago. So there you go. It doesn't get much more bumped to the front yeah, than that. That's fresh. And this, this is from Jeremiah Trulili. Oh, you, you taught me about this before we went online. I think it's Trujillo. 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 Yeah. Jeremiah, oh, I'm just going to call him Jeremiah. <laughs> Hello, gents. Uh, I randomly found your podcast in my search to find a Fujifilm community, and your passion for photography is inspiring and challenges me to go shoot daily. Anyway, I am from San Diego, California, and I mostly photograph documentary style of family in everyday life. My question is, do you have a tip or words of wisdom when developing your style hmm. stroke look? I have been photographing for five years and I feel like I still lack a consistent look and feel to my photos. Is five years enough to develop what you would call your ultimate style? I'm not sure it is. Well, probably not. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, point, I, you know, style or look is a, it's a constant dance of preference, really, isn't it? As, as you as you develop, I don't think you find it quickly. And I, do you think it's do you think style is more about um, you than your pictures sometimes, Kev, as, as you sort of as you mature and your approach to life and people and what's around you changes. So too, obviously, does your style. Yeah, I think also there's there's two, there's a couple of strands to this, isn't there? There's style and kind of the way that you make your pictures look, which is more about processing style. Yeah. And that changes, you know, I for a long time, I added that kind of subtle warmth to my black and white. And I, yeah. I've moved away from that now. Yeah. Why did so you that, move away from that? What what was the, because that is a style question. And that was very uh, synonymous with, with Mullins. Yeah, I think, I, well, a couple of reasons, really. I, I just, I, well, I've just got sick of it, frankly, I think. That was it. Um, just wanted a little bit of a change. Mm. And that was it. Yeah, there's nothing more to it than that, really. I still I still sometimes, you know, when I when I'm doing edits and stuff like that, I still sometimes put them through that warm filter and then think, mm, okay, maybe I'll do this one in the warm filter. But then mm, usually I'll go back to the, the black and white right now. So that there's a processing style uh, as well. But all, but the shooting style I think is slightly different. And you know, we are, we're forever looking at pictures on the internet, on websites, Facebook, all that kind of stuff and thinking, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could do that, uh, you know, that particular style. And that's, I suppose that's a, that's a digital legacy thing, isn't it really? That people think of style perhaps too much in terms of how it's post-processed. Yeah, I think so. I was actually thinking about this in my, my recent run of millions of weddings, you know, what, what is it that, I feel like the clients book me for. Um, Your eyebrows, maybe? Uh, yeah, my eyebrows and my dress sense, yeah. definitely my sparkling personality <laughs> and uh, my lovely white teeth. That's, that's it, yeah. <laughs> All those that, things, that, Kevin. The conclusion I came yeah, to as well. sorted. <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, in the end, I, I just kind of just came back to emotion, emotional pictures. And that's the, and so that's that's really kind of galvanised me to concentrate on that a little bit more. But and, throwing and, a spanner into the works there, though, Kev, it's difficult for, I mean, that, and I agree with you, I think that is what you're known for. I think the emotional pictures come through very well in your portfolio and you and you put them on there because that's what you want people to buy you in for but you can't you can't always do that can you you and i and everybody knows that you will go to weddings where the emotion is 
is not always as buoyant as your portfolio would have people believe. True. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, totally agree with that 100%. But I think, you know, if you're, that's the same as, you know, being a street photographer who only shows epic you know, multi-layered images, you're always going to have kind of things like that. But, you know, I think if 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 I was to define my style of wedding photography, at least, and, and maybe family stuff as well, I would, in one word, I would say emotional. So, you know, that that's ultimately kind of what I aim for. But style-wise, in terms of, you know, trying to fit too many um what's the what's the term shapes into a squares into a circle all that kind of stuff you know Uh, it's what we all we're all guilty of trying to do that we're all guilty of trying to be the best at everything and actually just concentrate on the one thing that you 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 like and whether that's emotion whether that's wide landscape type shots whether that's you know humorous uh images whatever doesn't really matter but yeah the more you concentrate on it the more it will be refined but i don't think you'll ever have a this is my style well, and this is it forever. Let's take Sebastião Salgado, who who most certainly you would say, oh, he has a style. But then if you looked at his pictures, you'd see those amazing, that cavernous shot of in, in the Arctic. I think it's taken in the Arctic, isn't it? That cathedral-looking ice, is it ice flow? Or, no, yeah. I, I suppose it's yeah. an iceberg. But, but you look at that, and that's a big, vista, dramatic, environmental picture. But yeah. then, uh, then you'll look sometimes at his portrait works, and it's entirely different, isn't it? It is. Um, but actually, that then comes down to, you know, his editing style, his processing style, his uh, production, I should call his stuff, really, rather than processing. But his production style is very similar. And so that's part of his, uh, you know, part of his style, isn't it? Yeah. So it's all encompassing, really. But, yeah, I mean, going back to what you said at the beginning, style is very subjective, and you, you just have to... Things that things that when you look at a picture, you think, "Yeah, I really like that." Then, yeah. then just focus on that. Yeah. You know, forward, really. And it's evolving. Conflict, yeah, conflict, always. conflict. Photographers are a perfect example of this. Their style changes so much as they, you know, when you a lot of conflict photographers that I've spoken to will talk of how they started being really close in, you know, really in the thick of it. I've got to get this action out, uh, and and then they stand back and they they start to look at the whole scene. And the context of it. Or maybe they'll look at small detail. I always remember Giles, um, my good pal Giles, talking about, you know, one, one of the most infamous pictures he took was actually of, of, of a soldier's boot. And it wasn't all the pictures that he's taken of the action and the shooting and the some of the horrific stuff that he's seen. It was a picture of a boot. And the reason why it was so controversial was that it showed a, it showed a he'd managed to photograph it in a way that it showed a hole in the front of the boot. And, and that became the, were you sending the British army out with holes in their boots? It became the picture that defined a particular style of his, which was finding a story within the story. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a not a boring picture, is it? That uh, Even though it sounds like a quite a boring scene, it's not a boring picture. No. And ultimately, I think that's important. You, there's, you know, if you just don't make boring pictures, there you go. Have there we go. Yeah. That could be your style. Yeah. I don't make boring pictures, but you will, I think you'll dev- just enjoy it and mm. see it develop, pun intended, before your eyes. Uh, yeah. Right. Do we have any more bump to the front questions? Oh, that's it. That so it. you can remember, join Patreon, you get bumped to the front. And you will you will in the future when we do finally uh, get our um, get the world back to 100% normality. Yeah. When we start doing it, um, some, we've got some plans, Neil and I, we've got some plans, plans. secret plans. Yeah. Do they involve iPhones? No, no. Um, <laughs> but they do involve discounts for patron members. <laughs> that's true. Uh, right. Marcus Cohen. Hello, chaps. Hope you're both well. QQ on lenses. I have two lenses, quick question that is, that I primarily use. 
Yeah, yeah thanks, Einstein. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't I just, sure what it meant. <laughs> well, I know you know because we talk to each other with QQ language. But some people might be thinking, what is he talking about? QQ, an XF 23mm and an XF 56. 23 being the 1.4, 56, 1.2. I'd like to un- upgrade one of them, but I can't decide which. I'd like the new 23mm lens. But I'd also like the 50mm uh, F1, which I borrowed from Fujifilm a couple of weeks ago and was magnificent. I've shot a couple of weddings in the, the last few months and it seems that I used the 23mm more than the 56 if, if it were you, which one you would, would you upgrade first and why? To add, I have some low-light weddings coming up in the winter months, so that might have a bearing on choice. Well, I, I was going to suggest something different until he said the low-light weddings coming up in the winter months, and I just know the 23 is going to be more useful because, for a start, you're going to be inside a lot more. And and if it's anything like a lot of the venues I go to, um, pandemic notwithstanding, you're, you're going to be sort of squeezed into a smaller room trying to photograph over shoulders, aren't you, Kev? Yeah, uh, well, he answered his own question, really, when he said that the 23 is by far the most used lens yeah. that he uses. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. That that answers it. However, there are there are some, as usual, caveats to this in that, yes, the new 23 1.4 is coming out, which I, I, I did um, some prototyping with, and it is phenomenal. Is it? It is, right. It's basically the existing 23mm on steroids. It's just wonderful. The 50mm F1 is interesting because I have zero zero interest in that lens for some reason i think almost definitely to do with the size it's a big big lens. it's heavy isn't it yeah and and what you have to remember is f1 might be useful in really low light but you're going to have to be pin accurate with your focusing to you know to ensure that it's not a little bit out so for me the 50 f1 is not a an alternative to the 56 f1.2 i am very much encouraged by the fact that the 23 the 27 the 18 have all recently had upgrades or newer releases which uh, fingers crossed and i have no insider information about this but one would hope that the 56 being a stellar seller that's a ss for those in the know a stellar <laughs> no seller. you don't want to use ss in the same <laughs> a stellar seller <laughs> yeah. is i like uh, it though it's got legs that one uh, a stellar uh, seller what? One would hope that that's on the on yeah. the um, on the internal roadmap for an update, and yeah. and if they can, if they can make that fifty six one point two, you know, give it the same uh, this the same new juice pedal juice that they've yeah. stuck in those new twenty three eighteen twenty sevens, um, then my word, that'd be worth waiting for. Now that, and that's that's my long term. Now there planning. are two two fifty sixes here, aren't there? And sometimes we've talked about the two, the difference between the two fifty sixes. Well, yeah, there's the APD version, yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's not that. That's more of a for portrait photographers. A little, little bit cleaner, or a little bit kind of. I don't know whether it's cleaner or softer is the word, but um, depth of field bokeh. Sorry, not depth of field bokeh. They're both one point twos. Yeah, so there you go. But the fifty six one point two is is a is a big seller for Fujifilm. Mm. So I would hope that that's that's something in their in you know in in their armory. And they're both the focal lengths that are sort of the staple dart of wedding photography. Really, aren't they? Yeah, well, what is your 35 combo, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. then throw in the mix the 80, the new 18 mil, which I've shot with a lot this month, and I'm absolutely in love well, with it. Do you know? I I, I noted really that down here, it. Kev. I wrote it down as you were talking about that, and I forgot to mention it. I wonder whether the 18 mil would take over from the 23, or whether it goes just a bit, a tinsy bit wide for you. For me, I don't know. I did a blog post this week on f16.clip with some uh, with a handful of pictures I took with the 18 mil at weddings over the last week, 
and it, they are just wonderful. Like yeah. uh, I, I, I always loved the 18 F2, but it was just a little bit too slow, yeah. and it was and it was a mechanical lens, and it was just in low light, it just wasn't great. So I never really used it at weddings. Um, but now this 18 1.4, yeah, it's a little bit big. Well, actually, it's massive compared to the 18 F2, but it's it's no bigger than like the 23 mil yeah, lens. A 18 F2 was a pancake lens, practically. Yeah. yeah really. um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, the 18 forces you to get a bit closer for forced me to get a little bit closer the benefit of the 18 of course is that it's available now you can get hold of it already uh 23 the new 23 1.4 is coming out in i believe at the end of november it's going to hit the stores but you know what it's like i couldn't even get any diesel petrol the other day because the bloody lorry drivers couldn't get there so what? whether there'll What's be a happening? Delay in... Over... you're not getting diesel now no i couldn't get any diesel. i was going to a wedding the other day yeah stopped off at the petrol station uh no diesel i, I could get the super what? expensive diesel you know the the yeah. ones that that's like they just overcharge you for the same stuff <laughs> Kev, um, it's not the same stuff but and i said to the i said to the fella in the petrol station Mm-hmm. What's happening with the diesel? He said, got no lorry drivers, can't get you. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, but there's there's delays on everything at the moment, isn't there? <laughs> chips and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not chips as in fish and chips, but chips as in electric <laughs> chips. Yeah. Well, they're, they're uh, advertising uh, a lot of jobs around here for lorry drivers at the moment. Yeah, and, tra- yeah, and training you up. There's a shortage. Well, there's one company down the road now that uh, the it's not it's not actually an HGV. It's an LGV now, isn't it? But people still refer to it as the HGV. But um, that that are actually offering to pay you to do the training. I mm. was very tempted for, for a minute. I thought. Oh, life on the road! I can see a podcast in this. I, when, I, when I was a kid, one of the things I often wanted to do was be a long-distance lorry driver. I oh, love that yeah. idea, romantic. But actually, I've, I've read uh, there was an article on the BBC a couple of weeks ago about you know this shortage, and it was a lorry driver, and then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been reasonably good because I've been able to double my rate." You yeah, know, on demand. He said, "It's a bloody awful job. Hate oh. it." You know, sitting in a, in a library, sitting in traffic all your life, and you know, getting shouted at by other drivers, and you you get sent to a place where you can't turn around and all that. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I right. could see that. I won't do that. But my next door neighbour has done his uh, done his uh, tests and stuff now, and he can do it. And he's also got his bus test during this time. Um, he used to work in IT, so he's thinking about it. And he said, yeah, but I really want to work on the Arctic's because um, with these smaller uh, lorries, you have to unload and load. With the Arctic's, you just sit there and somebody else does it for you. <laughs> I want to be on ice road truckers. That's what I want oh, to do. Oh, ice road I truckers. To, yeah. I want to drive across the Antarctic yeah. and yeah. Uh, and have a really treacherous drive across breaking ice, which of course will never break. And, uh, you know, you know it's never going to break because there's a film crew stood on it outside the lorry pretending <laughs> it's breaking. And, 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 you know, I want to do that and I want to be outside in the cold yeah. and get into a really hot, warm cabin and have a hot chocolate or something. Yeah. That'd be ace. Although That's I hate hot chocolate, so that wouldn't be ace. <laughs> so I don't think it's the job for you then, Kev. <laughs> right. Thank you for your question there. Let's go for one from the Facebook group, shall we? Have you got? Uh, uh, yeah, I literally have one. We've had what? one what? since last week. No, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's it then. It. This is going to be a short show this week. This will be our last show. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we made 199. And we won. Yeah, that's it. On the way out. No, two hundredth will be the last next week. Uh, well, no, it'll have to be this one because we ain't got any questions now. Well, we'll at least come back and say goodbye, though, wouldn't we, for two hundredth? Hello. We've got here. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, so this question is from Michael Drees. Yeah. Uh, he says, I, I have an original X100 collecting dust on the shelf. Oh, so do I. Yeah. I have been seriously considering sending it off of, uh, for a deep black and white infrared conversion. I've always been a big fan of this look and sometimes use a preset in my raw files to achieve a full infrared file. Faux, as it, how would you pronounce that? F-A-U-X. Yeah, faux. Faux, as in faux leather. 
Yeah, uh, I already have two complete Fuji kits, so I have no issue with the X100 being a one-trick pony. From what I have read, mirrorless cameras are great candidates for infrared conversion. Yeah. Any thoughts or suggestions? I have attached a file of a recent photo converted to infrared with a preset. I would love to achieve this look straight out of camera. Well, actually, a few people, I'm trying to think, who was it that showed me? Jeremy. Oh, it was Jeremy, Jeremy wasn't it? Jeremy Baker showed me his, uh, his converted uh, GFX. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't infrared, though, was it? That was black and white conversion. Yeah, so there's, there's, uh, yeah, you can have infrared and you can have black and white. That's no, right, Fujifilm yeah. did make infrared XT3s, I think, um, but they were, they were, um, you couldn't just buy them in the shops. They were for the military and the police and all that kind of stuff, seeing the dark secret stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can get, you can send your cameras off to get these things done. My personal opinion on the original X100 is don't. Um, purely because I think that that's a classic camera, and uh, given time, you know, it might be might be an investment. It's um, like sticking but- an M- it's like sticking a CD player in an old MG. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. That <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. So well, personally, I wouldn't do it. But however, yeah, you can, and uh, yeah, you do get some. I always think that infrared pictures always look like it's been snowing. Yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> always looks like snow. I find them fascinating. But I can only look at them for so long before I think, right, done that. Yeah. I look at them and I think it's snowing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can. I, I, I particularly like the ones of um, like trees and meadows and yeah. things like that. They yeah. look amazing. Well, it's a sort uh, of ethereal kind of um, fairy tale look, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really nice actually. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not something I'm interested in. I have to say, um, monochrome slightly different infrared. Yeah, it's it's. It's a very subjective thing, isn't it? Some people love it, some people don't. There's whole books, you know, you can buy photo books that are yeah, all in for yeah. photography. So do you ever get the, the original X100 out and give it a whirl? Yeah, sometimes. Do you? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still got hundreds of those little tiny slimy batteries that it used. Uh, oh, I forgot about it. it was, as well. Yeah, it was different batteries, wasn't it? Yeah, and none of those could, you can't charge any of those on uh, USB. In fact, it doesn't probably even have a USB connection. Um, so yeah, yeah, I do get out every now and again just to you know like give it a little bit of a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it anywhere near Monty. <laughs> You'd have it. Sniff it. Piss on it. <laughs> That's the rule for Monty. God, the bleep machine's going to be busy this week. I did consider recently. Somebody said to me, "Why do you bother bleeping everything?" And I thought, well. Partly because, um, and that's what some people call sound effects, by the way. I always thought the sound effects as when we added in Donald Trump, you know. The, don't be rude. That sort of thing. But uh, we don't use those so much these days. People, um, I, I was talking to somebody and he said, oh, no, I mean the where you bleep out the words. That's what I mean by the sound effects. Too many. Well, I, and that either means that we curse too much. But I always thought make it reasonably family friendly. Uh. Yeah, but then the problem—the problem—the problem. I, I, the problem I would with love it, it if you didn't bleep out my swear words. Really? I listened to the podcast last week. You cut out half of my sentences. <laughs> Sometimes, Kev, you're terrible. I was like, I'm sure I said something a bit different at that point. No, you say. I don't think you know you're doing it. Well, from 200, then, if if 200 continues, because we need some questions in Facebook. Adult, let's go adult. Let's go adult. Shall that yeah. be that? That'll be the big release That's of the 200. Edition. You can really hear what Mullin says. Because I, um, the point was made by this guy I was talking to, and I'm not going to say his name so he's not embarrassed, but he said, yeah, but the kids, they ask more questions because they wonder why, why there's a, a sheep suddenly or or, yeah. or a horn or something like that. 
<laughs> so actually, it draws more attention to it than if you just said the word. <laughs> I've never been so excited for next week's episode. Now I'm going to get my lexicon of swear word tapes. Have, have we made that then the policy? Yeah, is that the swear. biggest thing we can offer from from episode 200? <laughs> well, one just the only other thing that worries me is that even though we're not directly sponsored by them or told what to do by them, what were the the chiefs of we shall consider say? Uh, they'd probably say something in Japanese. Well, that's a bad word. <laughs> that I'm not going to say because, uh, yeah, I, I'll probably get it completely wrong and it'll mean something. Oh, you surely have never heard any of the team say anything um, that, that's base. <laughs> we shall not comment. Right, right, this week's guest. It's quite, I do, all joking aside at the start, when I was being reasonably flippant about it, it is, I think it is quite a, a responsibility when somebody says, who's a who's a photographer, who's a wedding photographer with 500 under their belt as you have. That's a fair, you know, it's a fair amount of flying, Kev, in wedding terms. It, 550. It, um, 551. What? 551. Yeah. Oh, see, it's going up all the time. So, you know, at 550, 551, to be asked by that photographer to, to photograph their wedding, even if you've got more weddings under your belt, it's still quite. I, I, I would have thought. Uh, it, is it worrying? Is it nerve wracking? Is it? Does it make you anxious? Do you think, as a photographer that gets asked to photograph another photographer's wedding? Well, we shall find out. Yeah, here's Anna McCarthy. So um, a few months ago, I asked you if you would uh, come along to my event. And uh, there was a few people that I wanted to come as guests and as other photographers. And uh, for whatever reason, mostly because they were working shooting weddings and stuff like that. You were, you were the only one that came along and, uh, and you graciously brought your camera and, and took, I have to say, made the most amazing memories for Gemma and I. Um, it was really wonderful. How did uh, how did you feel it went? Oh well, I th- I felt that there were a couple of things that really helped it be better than perhaps it would have been. One of them was that I bought two days before the twenty eight mil lens. As you know, I'm still on my on my dinosaur cameras. I'm still working with a camera that's probably no longer even being sold. <laughs> um, a, a DSLR. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did bring the X one hundred V with me, and I. It's all a bit blurry towards the end, Kevin, but I think I mixed in a few there as well. But yes, um, I think the 20, I think what happened was I used to have that lens and right at the start, I had just these fixed lenses and the 28 was one of them. And somewhere along the line, perhaps it's because I, I did sort of emanate more towards portraiture in a way with my work. I, it went went by the by, and the thirty five mil was was always there. But just a couple of days before, I was, I suppose, what I like to do with all my work is to think about the client. So, you know, you asked me to do this, and I thought, well, I know a little bit what Kevin likes uh, and what Gemma likes, and I'm going to get this lens because it's going to help me to get the sorts of pictures that perhaps your family would like, which were more storytelling pictures. Yeah, and you did it amazingly well, absolutely amazingly well. Um, now, uh, you, <laughs> you you kindly just said about the X100V and said there's some blurry pictures at the end, and that's... that's no, no, not blurry. I meant that it was blurry because we were all... Well, you and everyone had had a drink by then and, I, and it was getting a little late. I don't mean that the camera was blurry. But no, no, but they were because you handed me your X100V <laughs> yes, at night. And it was all set up so differently to the way I have mine. Yeah. I just kind of snapped away and then you sent me some of the pictures. <laughs> yeah. And that's an interesting kind of point of discussion in itself, isn't it? About how you, how you, how you shoot and how you have your camera set up. Yeah, absolutely. I remember you handing it to me and uh, this was just after you'd, uh, 
you taking over the DJing. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. Although rocking I the dance floor. Gave me the rocking the dance floor. Gave me the the X100V and said, "Kev, take some pictures." As I did, and they turned out absolutely rubbish. So. Yeah, it was hilarious when I gave you that camera because I I think you came along and you had a beer in your hand and you said, "Anna, have you had a drink yet?" And I said, "No, I haven't." Here's a camera. Go and take some pictures. <laughs> and you think you came back in about five minutes? Went. I can't take pictures with this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. If things aren't set up, as you know, then it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So um, now, uh, rather than than kind of this being about you photographing my wedding as such, let's talk a little bit about what it's like as a, as a professional photographer photographing any other professional photographer's wedding. I've done that myself several times, and I always have a level of nervousness that's above and I'm always nervous before a wedding, but I always have a level of nervousness that's above and beyond um, what the norm is. And yeah, how did how did it manifest for you? Did you? Did you well, I also yeah, I also get really nervous, and I think I've got to the point now where I get so nervous that I almost have found a way to get over it by just accepting that I'm going to feel like that, mm. and then I'm always fine once I get going photographing another photographer's wedding well I have photographed uh, a number of photographers weddings and artists you know people designers artists people who uh, are interested and have a love of the arts and who and and there is no doubt that you feel that additional pressure Mm. Uh, and of course I did feel it with you because you know you're a fantastic photographer and you've got a huge following and respect but somehow, I mean, of course, you kind of made it, you know, to, another thing that made it very easy was that, you know, you weren't paying me. So, you know, it was like any picture I got was a bonus. <laughs> and I wanted to do this as a thank you. And you and you literally said, I just want you to shoot the ceremony and then put your camera down. Of course, I didn't. And part of the reason that I don't do that is because that's part of the reason I became a photographer. I am actually an a very sociable person. I absolutely love people and I love meeting new people and I'm, I am in a way in my element, but I'm in an element when I've got my camera because I feel I have, I can also hide and I am quite a shy person as well. And there's this sort of contradiction between being very sociable, loving, chatting to people. And of course at your wedding, I was also a guest. So there was that added thing of of me stopping taking photos and sitting down and chatting to your mum or your dad or your kids or whatever. Yeah, I suppose to, to put it in context, although it was we were getting married in the church, it was a, a multi-event a thing basically that's why i keep calling it a thing yeah um and we've talked about it on the podcast before so people probably know that Gemma was being baptized confirmed first holy communion and we did our catholic wedding all at the same time it's like some kind of world record the priest is convinced he should be in the guinness book of records so to me the uh, always the most important part was the ceremony and that's why i asked you really to you know i was mostly only interested in that ceremony element of it and, and i feel like I, we shared the pictures with all our friends and family were friends by the way or constantly saying when's Anna, Anna back when's Anna back the oh, boys want you the boys want you to come to dad's night <laughs> oh right okay well I'm, I must get down it they were just great fun we just had such a laugh didn't we yeah, it was it was a, it was a good it was a whole weekend and it was it was really good fun. But it was never meant to be, um, you know, this this big posh affair. It was in the it was in no. the all opposite our house. And that's what made it, you know, because yeah. we've, we've all photographed lots of weddings, and of course, weddings are wonderfully romantic events, and and they but they are also often a, a performance and wonderful to take in that. But it's always just so refreshing when, you know, and and I suppose a, a quite a lot of my clients. 
uh, do put an awful lot of money, effort and time into their into their weddings and a lot of pressure. And I think it's always wonderful. And I mean, I feel like this. I feel like when I retire and I don't have to earn money from this job, I cannot wait to get out and, and, and just photograph without the money element being involved. Did you find yourself photographing it in a different uh, mindset or a different style to how you would perhaps, you know, a, a total strangers event? No, not really, Kevin. I mean, I don't know. I suppose I suppose I've, I was, let's be honest, I was aware that you are very much an observer and you very much don't like to interact, I think. Is that the right way to say mm-hmm. it? Um, and, and you like to be a fly on the wall. And that's not to say that you don't get right in. Mm. physically and close but you're you're very quiet observer I am but actually I'm also not and I I do talk to people I'm I'm just a mishmash I think I think you know there was a post in Facebook last night I think it was with someone saying you know it's important to have a style and you know I think I've always I don't think I've got a style and I don't think I care too much about it although I don't think I perhaps have the talent enough to have a style I don't know but to me I just go and shoot it and opportunities come and I see pictures and maybe I might direct someone a little bit very very quickly or I I think sometimes when you engage with people you don't necessarily not get you don't get less of the truth Mm. um for example there's a picture of uh, and also, I'm always copying. I mean, you know, I think of photographers when I'm taking pictures. I thought of Wayne Law when I was taking some of the pictures. I thought of August Sander when I took one picture. Three mm-hmm. little bo- three boys, you know, the three brothers, the two boys who had a little baby brother. Um, yes, I do, yeah. And they were standing, and the older boy was holding the baby, which is all I always find incredibly touching when a teenage boy is holding his baby brother like that. Mm. And then the other boy was just standing and they just, I didn't direct it, but they were there. They knew I was there and I think I said something. And then I took this shot and I really love that shot. It, it, it makes me feel happy when I take something like that because they, there's just an atmosphere. I can't really explain it. Um, and of course, it reminded me of, of August Sanders. Not that, I'm, not that I'm an August Sander, but I, you know, it reminded me of that. Yeah, well. That really, Kevin. You, you just said that, uh, you know, you, you're not sure if you have the talent or not. And I can tell you 100% you definitely do because I was like, oh, my God, this I was actually, you know, thinking, wow, there, there are pictures here that I would not even have thought about taking and things you saw that I would not hey. have. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel, if I could ask you a question, do you feel that you love them more because it's your family? It's your event? Or yeah, I suppose. Yeah. How do you separate yourself? Because I always find... You know, one has an incredibly emotional response to things that are personal to you. That's really interesting because often, you know, we have conversations as photographers, you know, how how we're our own worst critics and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're not sure whether the bride will like this picture and the groom will like that, et cetera, et cetera. And we we can never, ever be in the situation where we can we can actually join up the dots and include emotion with those opinions. Yes. Um, and so when you when you're emotively attached to images, is as well as physically attached to the composition and the, and the picture itself, then there's a, there's a completely added dynamic that, that we rarely, if ever, get to experience as the professional photographer. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing, uh, seeing the pictures, uh, you know, I'm glancing through them now as we speak, it, it literally is like reliving the day, which is 
exactly what it should be. It's not something that we can, uh, you know, that we can easily, easily um, put into words, really, when it's your own pictures. And I think that that's the proofs in the pudding, isn't it, with that, that actually just slightly getting off your clever photographer, you know, stand and, you know, this whole discussion of a photographer's picture, which I think Alex Friedrichson brought up the other day, didn't she, in a question on your Fujicast, and pictures that will just simply, naturally, emotionally record the emotion, the romance, the whatever it is, the humour of an event. You know, at the end of the day, we get tied up in knots, and perhaps that's one of the things when you're photographing, like you said, a photographer's wedding, that, you know, of course, I wanted to impress you, impress the listeners, impress my other photographers by getting something that I'm, I know they would, in, they would enjoy photographically. But ultimately, I think probably I've been doing it long enough to think, actually, no, I'm a working photographer and I just want to please the client. And I do want to all. Of course, I also do love it when I get a shot that pleases me. For example, those uh, rather drunk dope infused blokes in the pub in the window um <laughs> i don't yeah, know that's brilliant that, that reflection shot yeah someone put a comment on there and just put dope and it was really funny because when i was taking those pictures i couldn't really quite see so i was i was trying to sort of expose for the for the scene for the wedding scene yeah there was this dark kind of in the pub and these guys in there and, and they thought it was very funny that I was there. So they sort of caught sight of me and then got bored. Yeah. Um, but then at the end, I kind of thanked them and went up to the window and this guy's eyes were like bright red. <laughs> <laughs> I sent it to my mum and, and uh, you know, she, she's kind of uh, took a little while before she came back and, and she was just like, oh, they're amazing, you know, really amazing. Um, and obviously, you know, she really loved the kind of ceremony part of things. Um, but also she was really chuckling at some of the images later on. Um, was she all right with the ones I took? Because she really did have a few moments of proper proper tears, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. interesting thing about how you, how you approach people when they're in tears and you don't know the agenda, you know, you don't know whether they're tears of joy or what. Um, but that's a moment, isn't it, as a photographer when you decide to, to photograph that? Yeah, absolutely. No, they were great. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a family occasion with my mum if there wasn't tears somewhere down the line. So. So, yeah, no, perfect. Absolutely perfect. I love that picture of uh, Rosa and I crushing my mum's face. Their glasses pointing up and tears rolling down her eyes. Um, but also later on when, you know, a lot of people kind of, uh, well, I a lot of people, but a lot of the family disappeared, um, you know, kind of eight or nine o'clock. And then, and then uh, we were all outside and, uh, and it was you that went to the, went to the, the laptop and started playing the music, I think. Yes. And, and then the, I love music and I, I fancy myself as a bit of a DJ, but I'm definitely, definitely not the career for me. <laughs> really nerve wracking because, you know, this, because also, this, you know, you haven't really got them lined up. So it's really random and the songs coming to the end. You slow down, slow down. I haven't got the next one ready. <laughs> 
you know, because I've been married before, obviously, many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we did have a photographer actually to that first wedding, but it was in the days of film. I don't even remember the pictures. I, you know, haven't seen them for a very, very long time. Don't have them any longer, that kind of stuff. And I often did think, I wonder what it would be like as a photographer getting married and having, you know, being photographed. Mm. So, you know, when this, when the, when the thing happened, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that I was in the moment rather than, than kind of thinking, oh, I wonder what she's doing now or anything. And, and the fact is, the truth of it is that I just didn't see you at all. I mean, of course, in, in certain moments when you were right in front of us, that's different. But generally, overall, you did exactly what I always try and do, which is essentially just blend in, be a guest. Um, yeah. Although I don't do the DJ in and get pissed at the end of the night. But. <laughs> You Maybe know, I should. Uh, there were a couple of moments. One, one in the church uh, when you hadn't opened that bloody door at the back for me, <laughs> and then it, and I was cursing you. I was, going, I was cursing you, and there you were sort of saying your prayers in church, and I was cursing. Open this door, um, and then Father, what, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Deacon Steve or Father Thomas, one Steve, of one of the other. So lovely. I mean, I do find Catholic. You know, if I'm going to convert to any religion, it's going to be Catholicism. Just by dint of the fact that they are just so human, those people. So he, he opened it, but then for some reason it slammed and I thought, oh God, I've got this clunky shutter, I've got this slamming door, God, what's Kevin going to think? It was funny. Um, but then also uh, just before the service, I think I saw that arch just, you know, because it's quite hectic on the street, isn't it, opposite that church with the cars and everything. Yeah. And I saw that little, you know, I do... I do see pictures and have ideas, and, and obviously I was toying up in my head that, you know, Kevin Kevin doesn't like this kind of thing, he doesn't like to be posed, but then I was thinking, hmm, but maybe Gemma would like a picture like that, you know, who knows, I don't know, I haven't really had a conversation with her, and Kevin says do his thing, so that's when I said, just, can you go in there, guys, um, but I'm sorry, because I don't think, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how you found it, but it was about 30 seconds, wasn't it? Oh yeah, no, it was fine. It was right outside the church, and you're right because just because I don't, I don't particularly like uh, you yeah. know kind of posing things. You're right. You're right to think about Gemma, and yeah, it's a lovely picture. I, Absolutely. I guess you're just thinking, you know, these people might not come together that much, and it's a nice one for the kids to have, maybe. But, yeah, it's yeah. actually probably the one that my mum has probably got yeah. a desktop wallpaper or something. Now, you know, you both look very cool. Yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the ones you know we're walking back through the abbey and stuff up yeah. uh, along the street, and you you captured people walking along the streets and everything. And and one of my favourite ones is actually the one where um, we're we're walking back to the house because Gemma and I went back to the house to drop off some stuff, yeah. and the house is literally opposite where we we're having the, um, yeah. the party. And it's a lovely picture because it really sh- you know I'm forever saying things like you know don't forget to take pictures of your own front doors, take pictures of your houses and all that kind of stuff and this is great because it's got the you know we had flowers on our windowsill and all that yeah. kind of stuff we're in it the colour the doors are there the neighbour's house is there it shows off the you know the cottage and everything and so I really like that as well and that's you know that's that's the kind of picture that I like to take also but it's not the kind of picture that you that many people would take at a wedding you know so it was it was. Lovely. but you do have I mean saying that you know I don't know with photography I feel anything you, I've, I've decided maybe it's just coming up to to, well, I'm not even going to say how old I'm going to be next month, but <laughs> maybe maybe it's coming up to this age that I, I I look back and I just sort of think that everything with photography is a bunch of contradictions, you know? Mm. Um, 
the whole the whole thing. You can say something, uh, and and it, and then you say, well, that's not an absolute, actually. You know, uh, you know, I'm amazed by the innovation still when you go onto Instagram. I mean, yes, there are you know there are a lot of pictures. And by the way, Kevin, I'm, at least I didn't get Gemma to drag you up a mountain on your wedding day to take a photo. <laughs> Yeah, the nearest one's Cleve Hill, which is about 45 miles away. So, no, yeah. it was very clever of you to make sure it wasn't near a mountain. Um, but yeah, so, you know, to be to be positive, you know, I, I'm just constantly like, wow, there is new stuff. There is new, you know, there is new innovation. But I suppose if I'm to be really honest about my own photographers that I love, I, I, I do, I, I probably am very similar to you. I, I, I love... I, I love the past and I love, you know, I, I'm inspired by a lot of the people from the past, but still, you know, it's wonderful that despite all this, there, there are people doing quietly doing kind of new things. Do you think you would have the same passion for it if you, nobody ever in the entire world, imagine Vivian Mayer who never saw any of her own pictures. Would you think yeah. you'd have the same passion if you never, if nobody else ever saw any pictures that you, you took I think I've got to the point in my life where I really am so sort of immersed in it still. And, and of course, you very kindly and patiently helping me do that website. Because my website before lockdown was absolutely terrible. I had let go. I was think, then lockdown struck and I think, mm, maybe I'm going to be an English teacher. Um, maybe I'm going to go and do something else. Maybe this is it. You know, I've had, you know, I've had fun. Mm. I'm going to give it up. Um, and then I, you know, some, you know, we were locked down. <laughs> And, and, of course, doing that website was a big undertaking, uh, which I made rather a meal of. <laughs> I actually want to do it again and make it totally the opposite. But there we go. Probably won't do that for another 10 years. Um, but, yeah, I think that I'm so uh, – it, it is – you know, I don't take photos every day. I'm not, I'm not obsessive um, and, I, and I don't get inspired and I, you know – but but most of the time it's it, it it's what I like to do for lots of other reasons other than making money, mm. and I like to think that when I do hang up my boots, I will go and do some useful things. But I'm not quite sure what they are. I mean, I look back to the photographers like even Bill Brandt, you know, and Revilius who who did, you know, they, they were, they went and documented things for the government, for, for the council, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and they documented things that were, that were vanishing, that were fading away mm -hmm. um, for the history books. I, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Bill Brandt. There's a book, I've got it on my desk here, actually, because I thought if we dried up with nothing to say, we could talk about this book. <laughs> <laughs> And it's called Homes Fit for Heroes, and it's and it's his photographs of just uh, people living in these new homes. I think it's in the fifties. Actually, no, sorry, it's in the four. No, yeah, it's it's it's, third, it's early forties actually uh, during the war. So yeah, I like to have a thought in my mind's eye that I would put a rucksack on my back and go and do something, but it would need to be something that was going to have a purpose, I think. It is. It is fantastic. Um, and you are fantastic. And uh, you've made some amazing, amazing pictures for us. So, uh, Anna, thank you so much for not only uh, creating our pictures, but also being on the show. Where can everybody find you if they want to? Instagram, website, all that stuff. 
AnnaMcCarthy.com is my website. Right, Instagram is Anna McCarthy Photography. Now, sincere thanks to Anna McCarthy. All links to Anna's work, of course, will be on the show page today. Be sure to go there for links to what you've heard, and I think we'll pop up a link to August Sander too, uh, since Anna mentioned him. Now, if you get to the end of today's show and think, oh, I want more Mullins, well, you can. He's on IncapableStaircase.com, the internet radio station, every Thursday, where you'll hear him indulging in his other passion. No, not Star the Horse, but country music. As uh, alter ego country boyo, it's Kev's radio show that goes out 3.30pm live. So if you want to hear the raw nerves, that's the best time. Or otherwise, you can catch up through the, the website as well. And if you like your podcasts, I have my Photography Daily Show every Friday, where on that day, it is Location Show. Me with my microphone, out on a walk, a camera to make pictures, and uh, I take along you with your camera and your earbuds so we can exchange ideas from the letters received in the digital mailbag, but also special guests pop up with small trinkets of inspiration. Your big moments tend to be one picture, one production, one soundtrack rather than a collection i mean my entire life the reason i went traveling is photography if i didn't have a camera in my hand i don't think i would have been motivated to go travel yeah i think a pursuit of wisdom and and that's why portraiture for me in the sense of every portrait session i've done i feel like i've gained something from the subject or the model and we have a main guest too who this week is simon baxter with quite some story A mountain bike accident left Simon in chronic debilitating pain, but the arrival of a dog called Meg and a rekindled interest and love of photography has led him to being a very admired woodland photographer in the UK. With a healthy interest on YouTube for his sincere love of what he does. There's lots of different forms of stimulus in terms of sight, smell, sound, but that's constantly shifting. So with every single step forward or step to the side, visually, aesthetically, everything's shifting all the time. It's chaotic, there's a lot to consume. So to try and make sense of that with the camera is quite a task, really. So it needs your undivided attention. So it's so your thought processes start to shift away from the stresses of everyday life, away from pain. When something has such a profound effect and a positive impact upon your life, you become very emotionally invested into it. I promise you, you'll never be able to walk through woodland again without thinking of it in a kind of different sense. We're talking inspiration, we're talking isolation, and we're talking introversion, the three eyes plus many other subjects too on the only photo podcast that goes on a weekly photo walk. Photography Daily is available wherever you get your podcasts. Right, back to your questions. This is, is it a QQ? Is it a QQ? A Q, no, this is not a QQ. This is a, an L, LQ. This is an LQ, uh, actually. In fact, I've got an LLQ. If you want, what do you want, the LQ or the LLQ? Uh, let's have the LLQ. Ah, right. Well, this has changed direction. This is from Pete. Peter Foote. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Kev. Question's a bit mundane. Oh, no. But important, I think, nonetheless. Security for photographic equipment when travelling. Recently, my partner Jill and I managed to get a holiday in the UK. Where'd you get one of those in these times? Mm. And I was deciding which camera to take with me as we were staying in a hotel guest house. 
that you put in brackets. What's it, what's the difference between a guest house and a hotel? Is it one of those places, Kev, like B&Bs, where they put up a long list of things you can't do? No singing, no arriving after 12, no slamming the doors, no using the main bathroom. Is that a guest no, a, house? A guest house is when, when you open the, the door in the middle of the night and the owner is stood outside. That's a guest house. In a hotel, they don't bother doing that. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, I always feel a bit awkward about that. Yeah. Yeah. Guest house is living in someone else's house. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> no it is a bit weird, isn't it? Because you always feel like they might sort of peep around the door. Are you okay? Do you need tucking in? No, yeah, I'm all right. Some sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you like for your breakfast? I don't want any breakfast. Thanks. Oh, what? Growing boy like you, you need some breakfast. I'll do you some Marmite on toast and eggs. No, it's all right. I don't want any breakfast. Oh, of course you do. That's it. And, and then do you, what do you want for 11 o'clock? I'll do some nice jam donuts. I'll do you a jam donut. I don't yeah. want any jam donuts. No, I'll do you a jam donut. What time will you be back for your dinner, do you think? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they I don't start, think yeah. I'm coming back for my dinner. Well, dinner will be on the table at five o'clock. <laughs> right, that's it. I'm going to Travel Lodge. And they have, yeah, guest houses as well have television rooms, don't they? Yeah, that's right. We've got our television room. It's, it's full of Laura Ashley wallpapers. Yeah, and it's a it's a CRT TV with a massive. <laughs> That's it. It's been there since 1975. Still black and white. Anyway, it was on the Isle of Wight, so it probably is. I began thinking, do I? I like the Isle of Wight, though. I began thinking, do I lock my equipment in the boot of my car? Do I leave it in the hotel room, or do I carry it with me? Anyway, I emailed the accommodation. Oh, it's not even a guest house now. In advance, asking them if they had safes in each room, and they confirmed that they did. So I asked for the approximate dimensions. That's where it starts to get weird, isn't it? Can you tell me the dimension of your safe, please? I'm bringing a small dog. When when uh, when it duly arrived, it was perfect fit for my most expensive camera, which I subsequently took with me. When we entered the room, we couldn't find the safe anywhere. I was about to go to reception, and Jill said, "Found it." Bit strange because she was in the bathroom at the time. But sure enough, the safe was there underneath the sink in a cupboard. None too impressed with that environment, hot steam and so on, for keeping my precious camera. I investigated further. To my surprise, was able to lift the safe out, which wasn't <laughs> secured in any way and weighed about the same as a bag of sugar. Anyway, holiday went. Photography went well. Most importantly, nothing was nicked. But it did get me thinking, chaps. What do other photographers do to protect their equipment in particular? I think he means kit in terms of cameras. Uh, in particular, you guys, when uh, whether that be one of your wedding shoots or when you're staying in a hotel on holiday, any tips, tricks, and secrets to share? He does have a second part, which we'll come to in a moment. But let's start with security. It is actually quite an important question because it's something that bugs me whenever I, I travel anywhere. It's that you know you end up in a restaurant, you carry all your camera equipment with you. What have you brought with you? Why are you staying in the restaurant? You sleeping mm. here? Yeah. See, I, these things don't go through my mind. I have to say, uh, I just, I just leave it down. You know, if the worst thing happens, which you know, God forbid, it does to anybody. Touch wood, Kev. Don't say this. It, don't say this. It's insured. You know, that's that's. Yeah, the no, thing but that, the, the uh, day before a wedding gig, the last thing you want, as you're being asked what time you're coming back for dinner, is to be thinking, well, I haven't got my kit for today's gig. I'm going to have to give all the money back. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I, I've usually got an X100 kicking around somewhere in the car or something. So, you know, if all my stuff's been nicked the, the night before a wedding, then, you know, probably the last thing I'll be, be thinking about is that. So, I don't yeah. know. I just don't. It's not something that really consciously goes through my mind, I have to say. On holiday, though, do you do you put stuff in safes? I know I do. Well, I don't really go on holiday. I mean, we go to, if we, the only well, time. Spain, I last, suppose. Yeah. yeah. Over the last kind of 10 years, we've only ever been to like Spain Your and place in West Spain. Wales and you know West Wales is, is another f uh, friend's house so yeah I don't really don't really have that I mean I've done quite a lot of business trips and stuff and you know Japan and all over the place you know Argentina and stuff like that and 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, when you're on, when I'm on holiday, I literally take last year in Spain, I think I took my X100 and I might have taken the X70 as well. So, you know, I don't generally take lots of stuff when I'm going on holiday or on little yeah. business trips. But yeah. if I'm shooting, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you do need to be cautious. I don't leave anything in the car overnight. Um, you know, I just bring it in and... I, I never, never leave stuff in cars. No, uh, I mean, what you could do but potentially, and I have this, but I've never used it, is you could get one of those Kensington locks, which is like a, an armoured cable. Yeah. Um, you, you tie that to your bag. Make sure your bag's locked, obviously. Tie that to your bag and then tie that to the radiator. Yeah. And, you know, probably probably as good as it's going to get because if somebody's going to break into your room in a hotel it's going to be a quick quick in quick out kind of thing they're not going to be fanning about trying to get your your bag open and your kensington lock and all that kind of stuff i think i think it was edmund terracopian that says whenever he goes to a hotel he locks his bag to radiators yeah uh, that's that's, and he's very he's super super cautious with his kit and actually Mm. i I can't remember whether it was him or whether it was somebody else that gave me a warning to say you know there are certain hotels expensive hotels within london where there's been a lot of kit go missing and it and it and it wasn't the guests you have to read between the lines now and it wasn't the guests that were nicking stuff yeah i mean that's always a consideration as well uh i just don't have that in my mind does it ever bother you when you leave your bag at a venue and so i've started doing what edmund suggested actually i do use that that uh, cable and mm. I, I cable it to things you know i cable it to the vicar's leg or you know who's going to steal him <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no I don't, it doesn't no i mean i do I'll, I'll normally say to the you know the wherever the wedding is you know is there somewhere i can stick my bag well normally i'll just go and stick it under the the drinks table or something like that you know yeah. I, I, one would hope that you're with the people who are not going to be doing that kind of sure. stuff and if you are unlucky enough to be in that yeah. situation then you know it's jolly bad luck and uh we all get bad luck every now and again yeah. but you know i don't think you know, I don't want to be going into weddings and saying, "Oh, and if there's nowhere for me to put my bag, I'm going to carry it around me all day." Oh God, yeah. Do you yeah. Uh, do you ever forget where you've put the bag? I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, not often. But now, sometimes. did I put that over there? Or oh my God, someone's nicked my bag. Oh no, they haven't. It's over there. I remember when I was when I was eighteen. Uh, no, yeah, I would no, I would have been about twenty because I couldn't drive. And, and me and some mates did a um, did the route sixty. Twenty, Kev, you couldn't drive. I could drive, but not in the, in the United States. Oh, oh yeah. We'd gone to the United States ah. and uh, we were doing Route 66. There was five of us and we did Route 66 for two weeks. And uh, I was the only one that was under 21, so I couldn't drive. So I sat in the back of the car drinking beer all the time. It was brilliant. Yeah. And uh, we went absolutely <laughs> everywhere, absolutely yeah. everywhere. And on our last night, we were flying back from LA and uh, we we did it really cheap. We just stayed in all these cheap hotels, motels, all that kind of stuff. And we, we went to this motel and the, and the woman, we drew, we pulled up in our car and the, the woman on the door had a gun and she was, what? she was stopping people going in and it was a really, really dodgy neighborhood, like really dodgy. Can you imagine her in a guest house saying, what time are you home for dinner? Uh, whatever time you say. And uh, we went in, we, we dumped our stuff and yeah. everything. And then we decided to go and try and find a bar, which was about a 20 mile walk. Um, what? And we found this bar, uh, the first bar that didn't look like we were going to go in and get our throats cut. And we went in and the and the woman said, uh, right, do you have your ID? Everybody had their passport on them apart from me. So you can drink, but you, you know, you you couldn't drive. So yeah. I was like, oh crap. So I had to go back and get my passport. Oh. So I walked all the way back to the hotel, uh, walked up the stairs, and you know, it was one of those ones with a swimming pool with no water, just a you know, shopping trolley in the bottom. And uh <laughs> I go and walked up the steps to, to our hotel room and uh, and it was a motel, so it was outside. Yeah. And the the door was open. 
So in I walked and there was this this woman um, and she was she as soon as I walked in she went oh uh, yeah I, I, I'm 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 cleaning I'm the cleaner and then just mm. ran out mm. <laughs> ran away <laughs> and I was like uh huh yeah. don't think you were the cleaner yeah and she hadn't broken in or anything the door had been opened yeah so I uh, I got my passport and went back to the pub yeah with all your cash I should think as well <laughs> we didn't have much by the end not we? leaving it there. <laughs> Ah, um so security yeah well kev kev uh kev's got a sort of uh what you might call a laissez-faire approach to it but oh. so that doesn't mean that i'm right by the way it just means that i'm probably lazy so hang it out with a flag on saying free kit here today cheap <laughs> cheap uh twice the price or whatever that uh, phrase is you know what I, w- I what i will caveat is make sure it's insured all of my stuff is insured know, within it's, yeah. its life you know that's that's the key thing and uh, i i do lock stuff to radiators but also, I look at a venue, and this is probably not a good thing, I look at a venue and think, and people, and think, oh, you all look all right to me. We'll leave that over there. Yeah. So that that's just as laissez-faire, really. Because you can't yeah. tell, can you, Kev? No, not at all. The one thing about security that bothers me a little bit is uh, when you leave a job and you've got all your kit with you. Yeah. That that does bother me, and I separate my cards out from the kit at that stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's a separate conversation, but I, I know a couple of photographers who've had their um, had their gear nicked from yeah. uh, from the car park and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, that's... that's I, I don't... I mean, I keep my backup stuff in the car, but I don't, you know, I make sure that everything, everything I need comes with me into the venue. He had a second part of the question, did Pete? The other point of the message is that sometimes you say we're getting very low on questions. This seems apposite that you should have chosen mm-hmm. this one. So I thought, uh, my thought is, why not uh, on each session have a customer section, a customer response section? This sounds like a whole new department. E.g., you read out a customer question, customer, but uh, give both your thoughts on it, but then invite your listeners to submit their suggestions. And I'm sure there's a wealth of experience and ideas out there, which may be currently relatively untapped. It's a good idea. Yeah, my question could be a test for that, question mark. How do your listeners manage security? There we go. <laughs> we should set up one of those 0898 telephone numbers that people can ring in and say, I'd like uh, to add to the question. I'm not the 0898s, weren't they, weren't they for something different, Kev? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 01633 numbers. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that, yes. Um, but uh, that's a good idea. Maybe we should. You must be able to do that with all your jiggery-pokery stuff over there. Well, I have found that... violin system. Yeah, I have found, though, that when... I I think email and messages are are good because you can read between lines, etc. And sometimes people are a bit frightened off by leaving audio messages. But certainly send your suggestions in. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And and maybe reach out for some audio questions if we get past episode 200. Because episode 200 next week currently is all about cursing and not about questions. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 you might be hearing it by yourself because if there ain't no more questions by next week, that's it. I ain't that's bothering. it. Yeah. No. What's the point? Uh, anyway, he says, I'm just going to add to the listener section. Um, best wishes from Pete. That was an LLQ, wasn't it? It was an LLQ. Yeah. Um, the LQ's just a little bit less, but not much. Do you want to do one of your your Facebooks? Then we will do the book of the week. Yeah, so I'm I'm reaching back into the depths of time now. I'm going back to eight weeks because, uh, in case you hadn't noticed, we haven't had any new questions. Uh, this one's from John Kelly, and he says, "Hi, Kevin Neal." Uh, can I? Can I sorry, Kev. Can I just say though, I, it's important um, that uh, there will be some people thinking, "Oh, right, that's gone down the tubes." Then actually, <laughs> the downloads have gone up and up and up. It's just the uploads of your question have gone down and down and down. 
Anyway, Kev, sorry. And, and I also remember, folks, that the questions do not necessarily have to be about Fujifilm cameras, don't even have to be about photography necessarily. It could be about business, could be about, uh, it could be yeah. about rugby or judo. What? It could be about <laughs> chess. Uh, it could be about other interesting things like that. Could Kev's be, just um, chosen his three hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, uh, read that question. Uh, so John says, "Hi yeah. Kevin, Neil. I returned to my love of photography to help me with the uh, help me sorry with the symptoms I experienced from PTSD following oh, right. RAF service in Iraq. Yeah. And when I haven't got my trusty XT2 in my hands, listening to you two calms my speeding brain. So many thanks for that. Uh, my question is: Is there a way I can exhibit my work that won't cost an absolute fortune? Galleries and exhibit spaces that I have contacted so far quote into the thousands." And that's before any printing or framing. I am proficient in most aspects of photography, but this has me stumped. Many thanks. Stay safe. All the best. Oh, well, you could choose um, to uh, try some online galleries, can't you? Some really good online gallery software as well. Or, or is that the right word? Not software. Mm -hmm. no, um, yeah, system. System. Yeah. Um, platforms, that, that, platforms. Platforms, yeah. That um, help you sort of navigate your way around as if it was a, a real one. Yeah, yeah, you can do that kind of stuff. My kind of uh, approach would probably be coffee shops. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Local yeah. restaurants, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, even if you're not necessarily interested in selling it, you know, you can all, literally all the coffee shops in Malmesbury uh, all have um, some kind of artwork, local art, artwork on the walls. And not all of them are for sale. They just yeah. recycle them, not recycle them, but cycle through different artists. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's a, usually a good way. And that's definitely free. Yeah. Um, but if you are thinking of, you know, sticking a price tag on things, then, you know, you offer the shop a little bit of commission and, uh, and that, yeah, that's probably the approach I would take. You, you're right. You'll be right about gallery spaces now, yeah. especially if they're dedicated galleries, they are going to need to make money out of it. Yeah. But our town hall, for example, which is the, you go into the town hall on the left hand side, you've got a coffee shop on the right hand side, you've got a museum and in the middle, you've got the, uh, you know, the old school rooms and all that kind of stuff where the, the councillors go and, and, and ruin decisions um but the in the middle of it is this basically a big atrium yeah. um and that they always have artists it's it's not not always photography but painting and all that kind of stuff and that's really cheap they do charge for it but it's cheap you know you they normally do kind of three month installations there so yeah things like that you know council stuff will be cheaper but dedicated galleries will will be very much expensive there's a restaurant in uh, Newbury close to us called Indigo Bay. It's an Indian restaurant. Oh, it's a brilliant restaurant, Kev. It's one of me faves. And um, I, I'm just looking through the window here. I'm trying to get a window, but it's so much glare on it. For a long, long time, I made them two canvases, and they were on that they they were on that wall for at least ten years, mm. um, with my telephone number at the bottom as a photographer. And it was it, it was an, we we in essence set up a food fight where the uh, where the chefs were beating each other with with various mm. pots and pans. They were, I don't know, they might have been a bit cliche, but I, you know, they were shot and they were they were on the wharf rages and people used to talk about them. So, oh, yeah, you're the, uh, you're the person that has the pictures in the Indigo Bay restaurant. <laughs> um, so things like that. And they were, they were delighted to have the pictures when I suggested it to them. I went to a number of cafes and restaurants and, and there's a few that took them, Indigo Bay being the main one. They were delighted to have them. And, and so it, it's a really good way of showing your, your work. I, I sense that they may not have taken them down for so long because when we put them up, I don't know what you're like, Kev, but uh, if it's that sort of more powdery plaster behind a, <laughs> behind a picture, I often end up wrecking the wall. So I managed to really cover it with these huge canvases. They're huge. They are massive. But they could never take them down because I think the wall would come down. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing, isn't it? You know, get yourself in the Indigo Bay. Go and get Neil's pictures yeah. off the wall. Yeah, get some fresh stuff down there. Well, you better be good at plastering <laughs> if you're going to do that. That is a really good idea, Kev. I think, yeah, restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. I, I did hope that um, there's there's more shops. I don't know what it's like in Malmesbury, but certainly in Newbury, there's a lot more shops these days that uh, sadly are, are no longer there. And I did I did think that these would be fantastic places, just whitewashed, to exhibit art, be that photographs or paintings or yeah. But then the council want want business rates. That's why they're empty. Yeah, but this is the opportunity to show you know community spirit and help. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, one hundred percent. Try telling that to the councils. Wow, yeah, good Mm. point. Right. Book of the week. I'm not going to throw this on the table. No, don't. My no. coffee will go absolutely everywhere. In oh, fact, I'm going to have to move my microphone. I'm going to have to readjust everything. I want to uh, find my one so that I can talk with you about it at the same time. Yeah. Oh, I've got a coffee stain on this. No! Yeah. Well, there's a coffee table book in there. That's what it's for. Oh, All right. Nice. So, uh, yes. Um, right. Just uh, let me get it because it is... Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to get mine, Kev. Keep talking. Uh, all right. Okay. Um... So about Neil and this secret of his. So um, there, there was this time when he, um, him, him and Sam, they went to this place, and uh, it was um, well. Uh, I'm it, back now. Oh, are you? <laughs> right. I, I just thought it's very rare that we have the same book. So, but this one, yes, I've got one. We got I'm the not, big one. Uh, no, it's not the seven and a half k one. No. No, 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 but I mean, have you got the... Oh, uh, look, there's a letter in the front of mine. There's a letter in the front. There's a smaller one as well. Have you got uh, Have you got the Tashan letter? No, this is from Giles, actually. Oh, there you go. He Dear Neil, be. just a, a small thank you. This is not a small thank you for all your support. Blah, blah, blah. There's some personal stuff in there, so I won't read the rest of it, but, uh, yeah. So my version has got a, a whole leaflet in it by... Because it's published by Tashan, who do amazing books. Yeah. Oh, um, you! I know. I haven't got that leaflet. Yeah. So, and this was obviously because I got it at the exhibition. First so edition, it's yeah. showing um, the. It, there's a there's a more detailed description of each of the frames in oh. the, in this little leaflet. Right. Um, anyway, I don't know if that comes in in all the books. No, it uh, does not in this one. Uh, yeah, but mine didn't come with a. Uh, Giles a letter, letter from Giles. No, it didn't. That's true. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right. Let me just let me just get myself to where I need to be because there, I'm looking now actually on A books. There's lots of different versions of this. There's a there's an art edition B which looks nice. That's two leather bound oh, versions of blimey. it. Um, yeah, I quite like the look of that. Um, but there's uh, yeah, there's there's all kinds of different prints and stuff. The one I have is 2013. Uh, is is pretty much still available i think you can you can still find it in most places so it's going to be i think you're going to be looking at somewhere between 60 and 100 pounds for this which seems pretty reasonable to be honest with you it does um, look like this yeah yeah uh so uh raised on a farm in brazil photographer sebastio salgado uh possesses a deep love and respect for nature he is also particularly sensitive to the ways in which human beings are affected by their often devastating socio-economic conditions of the myriad of works salgado has produced in his acclaimed career three long-term projects stand out workers 1993 yep. documenting the vanishing way of life of manual labors across the world Migrations, 2000, a tribute to mass migration driven by hunger, natural disaster, environmental degradation, and demographic pressure. And this new opus, Genesis, which is the result of an epic eight-year expedition to rediscover the mountains 
deserts and oceans, the animals and peoples that have so far escaped the imprint of modern society. So there you go. Uh, it goes on to say that it was taken over 32 trips, travelled by foot, light aircraft, seagoing vessels, wow. canoes, and even hot air balloons. Yeah, um, yeah there's that famous picture from a hot air balloon. And so, yeah, it's a, a big book. But being a Tashen book, a Tashen published book, it is absolutely beautiful. The print quality, the styling, everything, of course. So it's a vertical book, which is, you know, my pet peeve is this kind of splitting images across um, across the, 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 the um, spine of the book. But, you know, you, the, 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 I had a conversation with a book publisher and this is a, like a marketing decision because you can't, a lot of bookshops, especially the, the kind of mainstream bookshops, want, prefer vertical books because, you know, otherwise people kind of trip into them and things like that. Wow. Anyway, the, the images really are just sublime. Um, and there are some pages, Kev, that actually have pullouts, aren't there? So, there are some pullouts. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's pullouts. Um, you've got indigenous people in the in the rainforest. You've got uh, simple images of you know birds flying, gulls flying over um, over their nests. You've got a lot of kind of wonderful landscape type stuff. Now, if I remember rightly, a lot of this was shot on a Canon 5D. Uh, mm. I think if I'm if I remember the, the exhibition, your, the original think, 5D, it would have been, wouldn't it? If you look at the age of the pictures, mm, yeah, I, I I just remember from the exhibition that it was uh, Canon stuff that he was shooting it with. So, um, you know, it is by and large, I would say maybe some of it might be from film, but the majority of it is, is is digital photography. So, yeah, if you flip to page 206, for example, you have these uh, indigenous people, and it, it's a real kind of um, celebration of them. Really, you've got some of them are. Um, making a raft of some kind and and you've got just general pictures of them being themselves and then a, a clearly a, a kind of set up portrait of uh, of one of the, the, the guys making a, a, a what looks like a bamboo mat so you know there's a combination of kind of truly authentic candid photography and then uh, a mix of you know celebratory photography of, of these people so um you know what what I do really love about this book though is it's not necessarily something that you 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 just have to kind of look through every page you can literally pick it up and just think wow so 298 for example I would say that this is you know one of the more famous pictures that you you've got the the guy walking down from um essentially at home if you like up in the hills uh, and the rest of his family looking down. Now, Salgado himself has said on many occasions that he has no problems in encouraging people to stand and sit where they should be. So he may, he may have orchestrated that, that stairwalk, as it were. Uh, well, yeah, or maybe not. I mean, when I look at that particular picture, I'm, I'm perhaps not him, but the people stood outside the house probably. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't, you know, that's, that's definitely not a negative thing. It's, uh, you know, that's that's documentary photography can be as staged as you like. It's still telling a story. But yeah, I mean, I love it. There's there's some beautiful, beautiful portraits that are just timeless. And 402, for example, and you've got the, the little Inuit boy. It's just that kind of picture there could have been taken 300 years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just superb. It's just superb. And, you know, it's not it's not one of those books where, you know, it's all about the um, uh, you know, the, the sublime nature of the technology that he's using. Yeah. In some cases, you know, you might think, well, this, you, know, you had to use maybe too slow a shutter speed there. But yeah, actually, yeah. you know, it's making that picture stronger because he's putting movement into it for a reason. Um, you know, and I love that spread starting from page 442. And you've got this entire family and, uh, and they're just, you know, it's incredible. They're all totally naked. 
and and but that's the way they live their life you know it's it's that's it and you know they they're not bothered by you know what they look like or their clothes or anything like that they're just bothered by being together and existing um there's a, a fantastic picture on 448 it's a spread 448449 um and oh, the guy with the tree yeah yeah, yeah. almost tarzan like isn't it yeah wow. he's, he's swinging between the trees amazing yeah, incredible. Tough shot as well. Technically tough shot with that light coming into it. That, that very next page, by the way, the very next plate that you have, and I know this is going to agitate you slightly because it goes, yeah, 450 and 451 because it goes across the page. But um, I, at first when I looked at it, I just thought it was city lights. But it's not. Look, there's um, are they gators or crocs? Yeah. No, there's hundreds right. of them. Does, hundreds does, of them. It does look like, uh, yeah, a city, like a city at night from a mountain. Does, yeah. But it's not. They're uh, they're crocodiles and the eyes. Yeah. He's well. They're all all the way across the lagoon there. Mm, I assume yeah. they're all the eyes. That takes know. nerves of steel. I I think I'd need to be doing that. It does take nerves of steel from absolutely. within a tank. <laughs> oh, <dear>. um, yeah, <laughs> it's just a it's just a wonderful it book. Is, it is really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know, absolutely. And if you you know, we talked about style at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And you mentioned that Salgado has got you know lots of different styles, and 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 that is uh, that manifests itself in this in this book. But actually, stylistically, they're all the same. Yeah, you know, they're all beautiful. They all have the same tone to them, the same edit, the same finish. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's and a close, he, got to the croc on four eight two. Oof. It just makes you want to go on a road trip, doesn't it, to Africa? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. Or Eritrea. I'd love to go to Eritrea. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's big. It's heavy. Um, and it's clever. It's yeah, <laughs> it, it's reasonably expensive if you're yeah. not necessarily oh, yeah. into, into these things, but definitely one for the, the collectors out there, I think. Yeah. Um, He's a bit of a football fan as well, by the way, uh, Salgado. I think I, I told you about this when uh, during the Euros. Um, I yeah. interviewed Henrik Saxgren, who's, um, who's a big mate of uh, Salgado, and uh, they text each other with... Uh, and I don't know why I, I, I did. I thought now Sagado won't be there saying, "Oh, I just missed that." What is what is that? I did just didn't didn't think you'd get this text repartee that people share. Is it true he's a Newport County fan? Or maybe if you want to believe it, Kev, I did half expect to see some pictures of the indigenous people of Merthyr in that book, but they, they obviously <laughs> missed the idea. <laughs> Too dangerous. I think it was much more much more sensible to be uh, much more sensible, much more sensibler um, to be amongst all the crocs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, uh, poor Murtha. Oh, uh, we love you, Murtha. We really. do, we do. Uh, actually, I don't. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, so the book is available, and it's going to cost you a little bit more than some of the books that uh, we talk about. But we'll have a link for you on the show. If page. you're in the UK and you are looking for, and you you know you're you're interested in starting a, a photo book collection, yeah. make sure you check out the Oxfam website because ah, they have yeah, a yeah. lot of stuff on yes. there. Uh, the online Oxfam website, yeah, obviously it's good. It's good for, because it goes to charity. Uh, obviously it's all going to be secondhand, but they, they sometimes have some amazing things that have been sent in. It used to be that you'd be able to get a real good bargain on there, but I think yeah. now they've probably got a, uh, a proper photo book curator on board. Um, so the prices are, are pretty similar to what you might get on Ape books. But uh, the fact is it's going back to charity. So uh, yeah. I, lo- I love it when you get a book where people have made notes in them. I know for some people that's just a, a complete, you know, no, mm. but for me, I quite like to find notes in them. You, you find what, other photographers were feeling like and like to find five pound notes in mine yeah (laughs) that's the other thing yeah (laughs) right one last question mark and it might be the last of the whole show kev so it's not going to be the um the ll 
of the LQ, rather, because um, I'll save that or, or never, ever use it. Because uh, as for next week, it'll, <laughs> it'll be just a, a few light curses. And thanks very much. It's been a great journey. Because <laughs> it is our 200th next week. It is, yeah. Yeah, 200. Wow, who'd have thunk it? So if you want to be on the 200th show, you want to get your questions in. If you want the 200th to be the last, don't bother. (laughs) We need to make the 200th special. How are we going to do it? Oh, I don't know. Well, turning up, that'll be a start. Turning up, yes. Um, Well, we did say we weren't really making a big deal about the 200th, didn't we? Because... It was because we wanted to. We wanted to sort of have a show, uh, maybe back at the hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's obviously going to happen at some point. But yeah, just yeah. Um, so. Mark Dell ends this week though. Hi, gents. Thank you for a, a good show. Yadda yadda. Quick question. Uh, it's a QQ, Kev. Mm. What's the most popular color of the X one hundred V in sales terms? What color cameras do you have? I've got the silver one. I always prefer the X one hundreds in silver. A bit more. Classy, he says. I don't know which one sells the most. I have to say, I, I wouldn't. It would have been an Andreas question, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah, Andreas you, would know. What do you I'm, think I'm, would sell the most? If if you sort of had your marketing, put your marketing head on for a moment. I would say probably for the X100, the silver one probably sells the most. Mm. But for the XT range, I would suggest the black ones sell the most. Personally, I prefer black all the time. Black, 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 black. But you had a silver original X100, though, didn't you? They only did it. Oh, did that, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yes, that's, that'll be why then. <laughs> and then the, the XT4 that I bought recently, I also have in silver because I couldn't get a black one. They didn't have any in stock. So well, does it bother uh, you or you okay? have you gotten over that now? Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not a bothering thing, you know, it's, it's just, I prefer them to be black. I just yeah. don't, I'm not a big fan of kind of, I don't care what the cameras look like, to be honest with you. If they could yeah. make a camera that looked like a, a little square matchbox, then I, and did the things it was meant to do, then I'd be very happy. Well, who knows? Maybe one day they will. Maybe, hopefully. Mm. And that's it for this week. 199 done, Kev. 199. Yeah. <laughs> 199 200th to come um or maybe um thank you to this you're gonna dress up you're gonna dress up for next week i always dress up i'm sitting here in my smoking jacket and um tweed trousers as we talk what do you dress up in for this show i I, I, I better put some clothes on next week then (laughs) are you a bit like an image from salgado's book a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, um, well, yeah, I suppose, uh, yes. Well, we'll think about next week. We'll see. Do you remember what your parents used to say? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Uh, thank you to this week's guest, Anna McCarthy. Anna McCarthy, thank you very much. And um, if you can, you feel it's relevant, we'd love you to leave a review. Um, if you can share the episode on Twitter or Facebook, you are a star. Right, here come the questions then. Facebook, if you'd like to leave a question for the show, and Kev made a very good point, actually. It doesn't have to be about, I mean, loosely about photography. Otherwise, I mean, if it's about Kev's cooking, although he's not a bad cook, actually, Kev, then, um, then yeah, well, but send your questions in. So how do they do it for Facebook, Kev? Facebook, go to the, the pin thread in the Facebook group, Foochcast Facebook group, more than welcome, of course, and there is a pin thread at the top. And I have been scrolling through as we've been, been going. There are some that we've uh, we've missed from uh, kind of weeks and weeks ago. And, and the reason for that is because sometimes they are very uh, similar to other questions we've answered. So if I'm not answering, if I'm not picking them, it's not because I'm doing it on purpose. I'm doing it because we've either recently covered it or it's kind of not relevant that week or something. So there are a few I can I can cherry pick from. No, it's not. It's because Kev doesn't like you. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Oh, can I quote you, by the way? I did write it down. Documentary photography can be, uh, can be as staged as you like. It's still telling a story. Yeah. That's a Kev quote. 
Yeah, of course. Well, look at uh, Jane Bowen. She was uh, she is still a documentary photographer in my mind. Does she that mean you're going to do more portraitist? Does that mean you're going to do more portraits now, Kev? No, no. Okay. Um, but it's actually a good point. I've written that down because I want it to be uh, a theme of something we talk about. Because I think you've made a you've you've just um, you've kind of you made a point that I'd like to expand on further. Um, or if you want to send your, e- your emails in, you can send them to click at fujicast.co.uk. I thought it was a good idea, Kev, as well. If you want to expand on something, a question that somebody else has left, that's not a bad idea from Pete, is it? No, absolutely. But just please make sure that it's very easy for us to understand what the question is relating to. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll, be, that'll, be, uh, that'll be difficult. And then by next week, Neil will have sourced out his degree poker and we'll, we'll be able to do phone-ins. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Kev. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And we will see you next week for number 200. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.